following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
foundation, the foundation of the Christian life is repentance. Entrance into the kingdom of God is through that sharp, sudden pain of repentance as it collides with our respectable goodness. Repentance is the doorway into the blood of Jesus Christ. It is repentance, forgiveness of sin, aphemy meaning removal of sin, and holiness. Without holiness, there will be no heaven. Now, we are very certain about what we think we know. But what we know may take us to hell. Many of you listening to this broadcast have never experienced the sharp, sudden pain of the demands of Christ coming full strength against your respectable religion. The most wicked thing a man can do is to withhold himself from God to maintain his independence in the midst of his religion and reject the call of God to repent. There is no reason, there is no logical reason for us not to repent. We have simply become comfortable in our Americanism and we think that that's enough. It is not. Jesus came and suffered and died that the eternal wrath of God for our sin could be turned aside. But if you set yourself as a religious rebel against the creator of the universe, if by your behavior you are suppressing the truth and tearing down the kingdom of God, the wrath of God will rest on you. I hear people speaking many times every week of their confidence in Jesus while they continue to withhold themselves and refuse to go deeper in the work of repentance. If you believe something and believe in the scripture means to attach myself but it is also directly connected to acting on something that is true. For example, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. 
If you believe, you will not focus your attention on seeking food, clothing, housing. You will first focus yourself on winning the loss to Jesus, bringing righteousness into the public schools and the government, ending abortion. You will make decisions about how to use your time and your energy to advance the kingdom of God. You will seek to advance that kingdom of God in your family or wherever you happen to go, in every area of life. Your time as a family will not be primarily focused on watching television even playing board games, driving your kids around to extracurricular activities, or just letting your children play idly for hours so that you can have a break. If you believe, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, your first priority will not be to equip your children to be good citizens in America. Your first goal will be to equip your children to be citizens of heaven, teaching them how to repent, teaching them how to walk in love and kindness with one another, teaching them the simple lessons of obedience and the joy of sharing in the work of Jesus. Now yesterday I identified repentance, metanoia, as making up two words in the Greek, after and thought. Literally, repentance is having careful thoughts about what I have done and how I have lived. Repentance, then, moves into an act of the will to give up all sin and obey Jesus. You begin with the light you have, and you act in a very determined manner to no longer make light of your sin. It is about obedience to Jesus. This will captivate your time, your energy, and your heart. As soon as you see something that is distracting you from Jesus, you will immediately cut it off. More and more you will be obeying Jesus and filled with his Holy Spirit. You see, when a person comes to Jesus, and he's living with a woman he's not married to, and he's drinking, he's drugging. He repents, and in obedience to Jesus, immediately causes them to separate into their own places. Does this mean the standard of living for both of them will drop? Yes, probably. It doesn't matter. What matters is walking in obedience to Jesus. So if you're living with someone you're not married to, separate or get married. 
don't live in sin. Fornication will block the presence of Jesus in your life, and it will cause you to walk in darkness. So someone who is serious about Jesus will separate and stop the sin. He will take the alcohol and dump it down the drain. He will stop going to bars. He will stop going to friends' homes who are constantly inviting him to drink. He's not going to go to the parties anymore. He's not going to continue to smoke that pot or those cigarettes. He'll recognize that that is destroying the temple of God. So he throws out his pot. He throws out his cigarettes. He goes step by step, and as new light is given to him, he follows it carefully, and he walks in obedience to Jesus as he is taught by the Scriptures, by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now this takes very determined action on the part of a person who chooses to no longer suppress the truth with unrighteousness. Now please, what I'm struggling with today are those of you who quite frankly live a shallow life in Jesus. Your heart is lukewarm because you have refused the cry of the Holy Spirit in your heart to leave the things of darkness behind. Some of you, no doubt, are consumed with reading romance novels. Some of you are consumed with action movies or violent video games. Some of you are consumed with getting your children to all of their special activities, and so you find yourself constantly driving here and there with never time to really focus in Jesus and reading the Word and teaching your children the ways of God. So you're equipping them to go to hell. Why did you have your children if you're going to simply equip them to be wonderful citizens of a wicked world? can't tell you how many parents I see doing precisely this. Everything for them is the academics. Everything is soccer or baseball or dancing. Everything is about extracurricular activities. What did children do before they had all of these extracurricular activities? Well, maybe they helped mom around the house. Maybe they had time for mother to read to them the stories of Scripture. I know I didn't have these extracurricular things. Instead, my father read the Bible aloud to me. 
My mother read classics of the Christian faith aloud to me. My earliest memories are of mission stories, of the working of the Holy Spirit and the call of God. And I determined as a young man, maybe five or six years old, I want to be a pastor. I want to serve Jesus. Well, that didn't just happen. I would come home from church and I would be so convicted about my sin that I would weep with my parents and they would say, Raymond, what's the problem? And I would say, I've sinned against Jesus. Well, how have you sinned against Jesus? I got angry with my brother. I told a lie about this. I've been reading the comics in the paper. I found a comic book and it's hidden under my mattress. Well, what's wrong with a boy looking at the comics? Well, they're lies. They're not the truth. You see, if you want your son or your daughter to be raised as a real Christian, you're not going to depend on Sunday school for that. You're going to turn your television off. I know a family who who changed churches so they could take their children to a children's Sunday school program while their home is filled with television 24-7. And they somehow, in their ignorance, believe that taking their children to Sunday school is going to result in their being saved when all through the week they're being pumped full of darkness. They're being fed the manna of the devil. Oh, but if we get the kids to Sunday school, they're going to get all of that out of them and everything's going to be okay. No, it's not. No, it's not. There's this story in the scripture that I keep returning to because it so pierces my heart. It's found in both Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I want to read for you the the story from the book of Mark, the 10th chapter. Now while he, that is Jesus, is going out on the road, one ran up and knelt before him. And he was asking Jesus, Good teacher, what may I do that I may inherit eternal life? So here is a man who desperately desires eternal life. He wants to be saved. And he comes running. He is so eager to be saved. He is a wealthy young man, the director of a synagogue. And Jesus confronts him immediately by saying, Why are you calling me good? No one is good except one, God. So he's saying, Wait a minute. Why are you coming and asking me? Are you acknowledging that I am the Messiah? Are you acknowledging that I am God? Now, please, this is where it all begins. This is where repentance begins. 
when I begin to recognize that Jesus is in fact the God of heaven and earth. That Jesus is the King of kings and he holds my life in his hand and he holds eternal life or life in hell in his hand. He said, You know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You may not steal. You may not bear false witness. You must not defraud. You must honor your father and your mother. These are the Ten Commandments. And Jesus is quoting these commandments to him. And he answers and he says to Jesus, Teacher, all these things I kept from my youth. In other words, he was raised to keep these basic commands of God. He is a very religious young man. And the scriptures tell us that Jesus looked upon him and loved him. Verse 21. Jesus, having looked at him, loved him. And then he says these words. One thing you lack. You must go sell as much as you have and you must give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and you must come and follow me having taken up the cross. Uh oh, the young man's in trouble. You see, Jesus did not ask Peter to sell his home. He owned a home and he had a wife. He did not say to Peter, Before you can follow me, you must sell your home and you must give your fishing business to the poor because he knew that the point of repentance with Peter did not have to do with money. It had to do rather with self-confidence in his own strength, in his own power. And so when he got in Jesus' face and began to correct him, Jesus said to him, Get thee behind me, Satan. When he professed that he would not ever leave Jesus, Jesus said, Yes, you will. Before the the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Satan has asked to sift you. When you're strengthened, encourage the brothers. In other words, even Peter had to go through a time of deep, catastrophic, brokenness before God regarding the sin that was in his heart, which was self-confidence, pride. But the rich young ruler, his confidence is first in his religion, and secondly, it's in his possessions. And now he knows what it is going to cost him to have eternal life. You would think he would have said, Oh, quickly, I will go and give everything that I have to the poor. 
and I will come and I will follow you and I will be one of your disciples. He did not say that. He was content with his religion. There is no person harder to get finally repent than a man or woman who is religious. A man or a woman who has confidence in themselves because of their possessions and because of their religion. Having been shocked at the word, he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. He walked away from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because of his possessions. He knew what Jesus was asking of him. He came to Jesus asking, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to be saved? Jesus answers him right at the point where his religion conflicts with his sin. And he is called to repent. Repentance is taking the necessary action that Jesus requires. Whatever that action may be, I have had to face honestly the question, will I leave all to follow Jesus? And I will tell you very honestly today, it has cost me position and power and money and family members. It has cost me friends It has cost me dearly to follow Jesus, but none of that even begins to count as I have repented of my desire to be loved and respected, to be successful. I have had to repent of all of that and turn aside and take those very specific action steps that puts me on the outside of acceptance with many people in order that I may follow after Jesus to be used as he desires to use me. You will not escape that same kind of trial if in your heart you desire eternal life. Now some of you listening today are very satisfied with your life. I understand. I have also been satisfied with my life. But to be satisfied with your life does not mean that you are one with Jesus. It just means that you have set up your little treasure. It means you've set up your deal, your 
your machine to crank to get money, your security with people, with family. It means simply that you have your place carved out for you in the rock. And so now you're comfortable because you have your place. That will not save you. There is only one place that is safe, and that is in the arms of Jesus Christ. Everything released into his power and into his presence. This rich young ruler knew exactly what was being offered to him. He knew exactly what he was to do, and he refused to do it. He could do it, but it would mean he would be scorned by friends. He would be cast off by family. It would mean he would lose his position in the synagogue. It meant even that probably business connections would be severed. He knew exactly what it would mean if he followed Jesus and did what Jesus told him to do. He saw money as power. And he was terrified of being powerless. Your conscience is telling you exactly what Jesus wants you to do today. You know what Jesus is asking of you. You know where Jesus is asking you to give. You know what Jesus is asking you to do. And if you say to me, Oh, Pastor, I don't know. You're making excuses. Your conscience has been trying to break through and tell you, Spend that time and read the Word. And you've said, I'm too busy. Your conscience has told you, Take time to pray. But you're too worried. Your conscience has been telling you, don't eat that. Don't drink that. Put that away. Don't sit in front of that television and drink in that darkness. Put away that video game. Put away that alcohol. Put away that, that relationship that is ungodly and sinful. Put away your pot. Put away cursing and swearing. Put away the things of darkness. You know exactly what God is calling you to do. Now, will you do it? Or will you, like the rich young ruler, walk away? Sorrowful, but walk away. Will you walk away from Jesus? Or will you do what he has asked you to do today? You see, this is, this is revival. Revival is a new beginning of obedience to God. That's all revival is. 
listening with our conscience to the direction of the Holy Spirit that we would no longer be enemies of God, even religious enemies of God. This rich young ruler established himself as an enemy of God, even though God loved him. He walked away in disobedience and refused to do what the Holy Spirit asked him to do. Now, I don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to ask you to do, but you know. And if you don't know, it's because you have been so far from Jesus and you've walked so wildly in your sin. You're going to have to begin to repent of that sin before you'll know what God wants with the rest of your time and energy. See, the question is, do you want to be saved? If I'm standing in my backyard and I'm looking over to the neighbor, if he has a swimming pool, he doesn't. But if I look over and the neighbor has a swimming pool and I see him in the swimming pool, and I run over, I dive in, and I pull him out of that swimming pool, he's going to charge me with assault. But if I look over in that swimming pool and I see him drowning, and I run in and I grab him and I pull him out and I rescue him, he'll say, I'm a lifesaver. Do you want to be saved from the drowning condition of your life? Or do you say, no, thank you, I'm doing fine just the way I am and I don't need to repent, Pastor? You know what God is asking you to do. Will you do it? Or will you, like the rich young ruler, set yourself up against the God of heaven and be content with your sin and with your religion? God is calling you today. He's calling you to a deep place of repentance. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Those suppressing the truth in their unrighteousness Romans, the first chapter, verse 18. Now, there is a slide downhill. A man called me this morning, and he said to me, what will be the spiritual effect in my life if I choose to watch pornography? I said, have you been watching pornography? Yes, pastor, I have. Will God still bless me? Or is that considered a grave sin? I said, please take time and read Romans, the first chapter. Verse 24. For this reason, God handed them over to the lust of their hearts 
to moral uncleanness, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the one having created. Because of this, God handed them over to uncontrolled sexual passions of dishonor, for even their women exchanged the natural sexual use into that contrary to nature, and in like manner also the men, having left the natural sexual use of the female, they began burning out with their raging sexual cravings for one another, men with men, working shamelessness and receiving back in themselves the penalty which was due their deception. You see, if we refuse this work of repentance, we may be very religious, but in fact we will be utterly wicked in our hearts and we will be given over more and more to the things of darkness. So he's saying literally, the penalty of God for not repenting is an increase of selfish ambition, disobedience to the truth, sexual uncleanness, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossips, evil speakers, God-haters, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, without natural affections, unforgiving, unmerciful, they having fully understood the just requirements of God, that the ones who practice such things are worthy of death, not only do them, but also approve the ones so practicing. So he's saying if we refuse, this is Romans, the first chapter, beginning with verse 28. He's saying there is a consequence for watching the pornography. There is a consequence for being consumed by the video games. As one woman said, I want to be able to come to church and I want to be able to relax and I want to be able to enjoy the worship service and be filled with its inspiration so that I can go back and work my week. Well, what she's saying is, I want God to fill me with strength so I can go back and live in the world for another week. And yet that woman would say she's saved. Is she? Of course not. All she wants from God is a little inspiration so she can continue in her sin of ambition and money. You know, what I'm describing today is a total change of heart. It is recognizing that I must turn 
from the wickedness of the human flesh. I must be crucified with Christ. You remember in that story that I shared with you out of Mark the 10th chapter of the rich young ruler, Jesus said, you must take up your cross and follow me. I want you to be saved. That's why I'm doing this broadcast. I want you to be saved. I want to break the illusion that you can avoid the deep, heartbroken repentance and turning from darkness and wickedness and still be saved. There must be a recognition that God is the almighty king of heaven and earth and that you must repent. And that repentance is deep, heartbroken sorrow that leads to righteousness, to holiness. And the promise of God is that he will remove that sin from our life if we will confess and then repent. Now, part of repentance is confession, but confession is not the fullness of repentance. Confession is only the beginning where we begin to say to God, honestly, this is who I am and this is what I've done and I need your cleansing power. And as we confess, and I suggest out loud, and perhaps even in the presence of a brother or a sister, where we begin to pray and cry out to God about the sin that molests our heart. And as we cry out to God about that sin that our conscience has pointed out by the Holy Spirit, as we confess that, we determine a course of action a course of action that will break the power of that wickedness from our heart. Now, please, you cannot be passive and be saved. You cannot walk away from Jesus and go back to the life you lived before and expect the blessing of God. Repentance is that desperately deep confrontation in your heart with your respectable religion. It is that understanding of the deep issues of the heart that are in direct conflict with Jesus and with the Word of God. as you recognize that that great difference between your respectable religion and Almighty God, revival can begin to happen in your heart. Revival, a new beginning of obedience to God.
And so the honest, open confession, the honest repentance where I turn from that wickedness and I begin to walk in direct obedience to God, I do not walk away with a grieving heart. I say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I say, yes, Lord. And as I say yes to him, the power of the Holy Spirit comes to release me from the bondage of that sin. And I begin to take those action steps in obedience to the call of the Holy Spirit. I cut off the alcohol. I cut off the pot. I cut off the fornication. I cut off everything of darkness. I cut off the television. I cut off the the modern sporting world with all of its wickedness. And now it's being exposed utterly. And Hollywood is being utterly exposed for its complete wickedness. Many of us knew this already. But many of you have been deceived. You turn from these things and you begin to search after Jesus with all of your heart. And the Holy Spirit will come. He will supernaturally begin to remove that sin from your heart. And he will direct your steps in a new path. And it will be what Jesus said. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. And the crucifixion will be done. And you will become a fisher of men. And everything you do, everything you want, will be for the building up of the kingdom of God on this earth. For the salvation of the lost. There's only one call to be a fisher of men. There's only one commission to go and make disciples. If you're not doing that, you've not done very well on this work of repentance. And you have settled into your intellectual and tame religion. I'm standing at the the gateway of of a great commission. We're going to begin revival meetings on Monday nights. It will be a multi-church revival meeting. I'll be announcing soon where they will be held, but they will begin on Monday night, December 4 at 7.30 p.m. Put a circle around that date. God will soon allow us to announce publicly the location. There are yet some clearances that have to be made, and as soon as those are finished, we'll be announcing publicly where it will be. It'll be the National Prayer Chapel in association with another congregation. What is revival? A new beginning in repentance and obedience to Jesus. 
Now we have a campaign going on on our webpage. <clears throat> it's called The Builders. And we've asked for a hundred people to give one hundred dollars, one time gift, so that we could have ten thousand dollars to begin negotiating with Weva for an FM slot, an FM time, to change from the AM dial to the FM. For quite some time, we had only four and then five hundred dollars in that builder's fund. And it looked utterly impossible, and we cried out to the Lord, and he sent a gift for $5,000. So now we have $5,500 toward that FM beginning. Why do we want to go FM? Because it's a much larger listening congregation or audience in Washington, D.C., and this city needs to be called to repentance. If you believe that, and you'd like to help us, I know some of you today could write that check for a thousand or five thousand dollars, but others of you can can give that one hundred dollars. There's nothing that would cause me to rejoice more than for today that campaign to be finished with ten thousand dollars in the bank so that we could begin talking with Weva about the FM side of the dial. I'm praying, I'm waiting, I'm watching. For it is time for the message of revival to come to to Washington. But please hear me, I've been in Washington a long time. More than 40 years. I've watched all the big programs come. I've watched them go. And there was no change in this city. Revival must start with a few people who are willing to pray and who are willing to sacrifice. People who say, we must have revival. We must have a message of holiness and righteousness by faith in Jesus. We must have this. If you want revival in Washington, you must do two things. You must pray. And you must ask Jesus what you are to do. And I pray that he will tell you to give that this broadcast can move to the AMs, from the AM to the FM side of the dial. Now, we've been here for many years. And many of you are very faithful in giving. <clears throat> and I'm very grateful for each one of you. Thank you for what you give. But now it's time to go to the, to the big city. Most people don't listen on AM. They listen to FM. So there is something very specific you can do. Pray. And then give. Give a gift, an offering to Jesus that this message of holiness can go out over this city. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. 
there you'll find a button you can click on and you can give or you can send a check let me give you the address it's to National Prayer Chapel Market Pilgrim's Progress but make the check out to the National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 That's the National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 Now we are also going to move ahead quickly toward that December 4 date and I'm praying that on December 4 many of you listening day by day to this broadcast will do whatever you have to do to be at that revival meeting I need your prayers I need your support we're out of time for this broadcast today Almighty God, I pray that you will move in the heart of your people to a much deeper place of repentance. And I pray that you will open the way for us to quickly move to that FM dial. And I pray, Lord, I pray, Lord, for your people today. Encourage them, strengthen them to be utterly, totally given to you, that they would no longer in any way suppress the truth with unrighteousness. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. I love you. God bless you. I expect to hear from you soon. Through Jesus Christ.